And we are here live on Studio A! Yeah, you've waited all week for the most cutting-edge topics and guests, and now it is time to deliver. That's right, it's the Stephen D. Kelly Show! With your host, Stephen D. Kelly! Okay, good evening, everybody. Matt made it. We're we're a little we're a little uh, scramble there. Sean just uh, we, was uh, running a little bit late, and I was all ready to push the button and try to produce the show myself. But he made it here. Thank you very much, Sean. I'm glad glad you're here, so we can be able to take calls and everything. Uh, all you other producers, uh, Jer Bear, everybody that was calling to help me out, uh, it, it's okay. We're good to go. Anyway, okay, everybody, welcome to the show, Stephen D. Kelly Show. I'm your host, Stephen D. Kelly. Oh, big show planned tonight, and you know I've only done this twice. This is the second time where I've done a show where it was just me, and from you know just from the numbers, it looks like this is not such a bad thing because quite a few people have expressed interest interest in uh, the program, and uh, you know it's it's logical, of course, because. Uh, it is uh, it is a big subject, and I I chose this because I real I came to a, uh, a, a feeling that it was necessary to get it out there this information because it's it's time and uh, it is I've you know I, I say this lightly but it is nothing less than probably the greatest secret in the world that we are uh, uh, going to be discussing tonight. And uh, the other thing that's nice about me doing this myself is that I don't have to deal with I can I can spew the information and I don't have to deal with counterpoint and trying to prove it and everybody trying to get in their their two cents. So um, what, one thing I want to say real quick is if you are listening on a computer or phone or whatever and you have the ability, please take notes and I recommend you do that right now because I'm going to start giving you information that you do need to follow up on yourself. And uh, obviously Google, Google everything. So, <clears throat> so if you could, if you really can do that, uh, that's very important. And and uh, the first notes that I want you to take, of course, are studio business. I, I want to uh, tell people to go to our Facebook page. I want to also remind people that we have a new YouTube uh, station that we need you to subscribe to, and I'll try to get that information out to you. I don't have it in front of my face right now, but that's another good reason to join our Facebook page because you'll see it right there, this information. And, of course, this information is also available on our website, www.freedomslips.com, and obviously that's the name of the same name on the Facebook page. So go there, like the Facebook page, get that feed. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, we are listener-supported radio. We do depend on your donations, and obviously it's very important, and you, you, you people have been coming through, and we're very thankful for the support that we do get. We're, uh, what is it, 19 days left in this month, and it's hard for me to look at the, uh, the data, but uh, near as I can tell, we're doing pretty good, but and there's also lots of great deals, of course, that Hawk has available. You know, you can get the seed pack and things like that, and it it's a it's a great way to spend your money and help the station, help us. Lots of other stuff, but anyway, like I said, there's a lot of information I want to cover, so I want to get this over with. Uh, and, and because the other thing is, is I would like to, you know, obviously the station puts out a video of every every program that we do uh, that goes out on YouTube. 
but I'm probably for this one I'm going to do one myself because I also need I'd like to add a bunch of graphics you know just about everything that's see I'd like to add a, gra- a graphic and it's, it's there are going to be some portions where uh, I'll be talking about uh, physics related stuff and things that are best explained visually. Uh, but of course, you know, we, 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 if you listen to my programs, we talk about toroids and energy and, and, uh, uh, toruses and uh, this kind of vortexes and all these shapes in, in their relationship to energy and, and, uh, physics in general. And we're, it's important. These, these things will come up tonight, uh, because the, the subject, the topic of the show tonight is Hollow Earth. Nazi bases and Operation High Jump. Hope you like that title, but uh, that's that's the big secret, the Hollow Earth. Okay, that's the big thing, and that's same sounds incredible, and that's all fine and good. You know, you can say whatever, but we're just going to cover this information. And again, when presented with crazy stuff, you need to have a become an observer and open your mind and file away the information and don't judge it and don't use your emotions. And the main thing you got to do is forget what you learned in school. Okay, just assume that everything you've been taught is a lie. <clears throat> anyway, all right, uh, and I'll tell you something else. Years ago, I don't know what it was, four or five years ago maybe, I did a lecture, and this was back when I was uh, doing that sort of thing. I was in a metaphysics group, and there was, you know, so many hundred members, and we would do these lectures, you know, not always me, some other people, but uh, I was doing one on... Uh, uh, basically, it was the Nazi occult and flying saucers, and, and it was Victor Schauberger. Actually, it was all about Victor Schauberger. Okay, and we're going to be talking a lot about Victor Schauberger. And Victor Schauberger is one of the the big three. Uh, when I when people say, "Gee, what do I? What should I do? How am I going to you know learn about all this stuff?" You know, it's it's first thing is very simple. You start out with Nikola Tesla. You re, you learn about Tesla. Tesla will introduce you to all sorts of incredible concepts, mainly the moving of electricity, the moving of ions, and the toroidal movement, a Tesla coil. You look at a Tesla coil, that should introduce you right there to the whole concept of a vortex. You know, there's a reason why it looks like a a funnel. Uh, You know, we'll get into that. Uh, the other guy is Wilhelm Reich, uh, who is uh, another German, of course, transplanted to the United States, very important. And a lot of people, when they talk about Wilhelm Reich, they associate him with orgone and cloud busters and, uh, and the concept of uh, orgone, orgone devices. And uh, But there's a lot more to the man, obviously. Yeah, but he was ridiculed and tossed into jail, and they burned all his books and, you know, typical. But he's really big. But the third guy that's really important is Victor Schauberger. And, of course, he was a Austrian naturalist. I didn't even want to start out talking about him, but, uh, but we're, I won't go get this over. He, uh, but he was a Nazi. He was, uh, he, uh, I guess he, he, by studying the motion of water, <clears throat> fluid of water going through creek beds in his, uh, sitting in the forest doing what he was doing, he gathered a very, uh, keen appreciation for fluid dynamics and and was able to apply this to the movement of energy in the nat- in how all of this is a perfect example of the uh, mechanics of the uh, the universe so to speak 
And because of this, he was able to develop uh, incredible technology based on these, uh, you know, toroidal whirlpool-type effects that he observed in the water. And uh, he created engines which would power UFOs. He created uh, implosion engines which ran on air and water, which could develop heat, light, energy, movement, uh, you know, mechanical movement, the whole nine yards. And this that was the basis of these uh, German UFOs, which we're going to be talking a lot about tonight. Uh, very important technology. That was the drive system for a lot of these UFOs. Uh, but but the other thing is that he also, you know, uh, a lot of all three of these guys, Tesla, Reich, and uh, Schauberger, taught us a lot about these movements of ions and energies. And what's important to understand is that these energies and these movements and these patterns that are made during the movement of this energy are basically used everywhere that you can imagine. They represent the aura of our body. They represent the energy put out by a single cell or a single atom or a uh, molecule or a planet for that matter or a moon or a sun or a star or any ball of plasma for that matter. Uh, or, you know, the galaxy, the entire galaxy emits these patterns. So, so this is a, this is a constant. And the, the idea, uh, the reason why the idea of the constant is important is because of that famous saying, as above, as is below. And uh, <clears throat> when, when, you know, when you deal with guys like Nassim Harriman, who are very important, uh, well, scientists, physics uh, uh, thinkers, that uh, you'll see these, their theories correspond very much to, uh, to what we'll be talking about. And, you know, I'll bring that up later. But let's uh, let's start with uh, 1947, Admiral Byrd, or 1946. There was a operation, and uh, basically it was put together by Admiral Byrd, of course, was a famous polar explorer. And uh, this operation was a was of military nature, and he said so. But prior to leaving, he got up in front of everybody and said it was of military nature, and it was called Operation High Jump. Okay. Now, if you go back in the archives and you try to find any kind of a movie or anything, and I saw one just recently, a black-and-white film that was made by the United States uh, to, for this Operation High Jump, they, they, sh they made the thing look like it was a Jacques Cousteau mission, basically, to go to Antarctica and play with the penguins and set up little base, weather bases and, and, and do a little exploration. You know, there's all sorts of footage of, of soldiers playing with penguins and things like this. But uh, the Russians also made a film, and uh, if you're interested, and I think you should look at it, uh, this, this film is actually dealing with uh, Antarctica and, and Nazi bases in Antarctica. And I'm not going to say that they got it right in everything in this film, because remember, every source of information that we present is just one source, and it all you have to bring it all together. Even what I say tonight is going to be, it may seem a little incoherent at times, and it may, uh, I may even ramble, but the point is, is that, uh, it's an extremely complex subject. But if you can, if you can connect the dots, and you, uh, the more of these little pieces of the puzzle that you collect, the great, the easier it's going to see the, uh, interconnectedness of all of these realities. And this is why it's so important for me to talk about this hollow earth concept, and this Nazi connection and all that, because 
how it affects the current events that are going on, Fukushima, uh, Ukraine, you know, yada yada, Syria, et cetera, et cetera. If you, if you, if you have this information and it allows you to put everything else into context and you can see a little bit uh, clearer who's really in charge and how, who's really pulling the strings and who the, all the real players really are. So, going back to Operation High Jump. Uh, basically, Operation High Jump was an aircraft carrier, 12 surface ships, one sub, about 20 airplanes, and 5,000 men. All right. As well as, uh, probably some scientists and what have you. But mostly it was a military operation. Uh, full guns, everything. Okay. And they're selling to Antarctica. So this looked like, you know, obviously, uh, Bird said it was a military thing, but he went down there. And, you know, you go down there with all that, that, uh, hardware, it wasn't the military. I mean, it wasn't, uh, civilian. It wasn't just for exploration. And th- this was basically Queen's Mods land. Well, it was a, it was in, intended to be a six-month expedition, and its purpose was for wiping out this German base that was allegedly set up at, uh, down there. And the reason why the Americans were so upset and so certain that there was a secret German base down there had a lot to do with everything that was missing from Germany, uh, you know, whole factories, high-tech factories, lots of key scientists, key personnel, skilled workers were just not there. Lots of assets weren't there. Uh, you know, what was left there was destroyed for the most part. You know, we captured all sorts of hardware, but all the really crazy technology had been shipped out relative, you know, before the bombs started falling up there. Uh, and there was a, a bunch of submarines that were special Fuhrer transport submarines that uh, turned up in Argentina. And the, you know, the crew, of course, wouldn't talk. Uh, you know, they wouldn't say anything about uh, where they had been. You know, you know there, there was a skeleton crew, so whatever was on board was gone. These guys just turned themselves in, you know, after they dropped off, whatever they dropped off. And so finally, the Americans were sure that the uh, Nazis had set up something over there in uh, in in uh, Antarctica. All right. Well, you know, if you go back a few years earlier, uh, Admiral Byrd actually had worked hand in hand with the Nazis in their exploration of what uh, of Queen, what we call Queen Maud's Land, and this was back. Uh, Oh, you know, a little before 1939, it was before the war, but this had been going on, you know, much, much sooner than that. But uh, uh, the Germans had went and, and uh, basically set out, like, I don't think it was like 600,000 acres of uh, land uh, or square kilometers, something like that, of land that they uh, had staked out and they claimed for England or claimed for uh, uh, Deutschland. And they called it uh, New, New Swabia or New Schwabenland. And uh, it's funny, that sort of thing is not, you know, we don't talk about it. You know, I mean, it's just, it's like a big secret. When you go on Google Maps, you're not going to see anything down there. It's just going to be white, right? I mean, you know, there is stuff there. But, you know, how convenient that these uh, Arctic, you know, especially Antarctica is like wiped off of the map. If you next time you get a map, take a look at it. But anyway, so the the Germans had established these uh, uh, bases down there, and they had shipped all kinds of hardware and people and, and everything else. But uh, we'll, we'll talk more about those bases, but we'll get back to the war. The uh, Two months into the mission, 
you know, when these guys were filming themselves playing with the penguins and stuff like that, they were attacked by craft that basically came straight out of the water. They were disc shaped and they just, you know, flew right through the mass of these things and freaked the heck out of everybody and uh, took out a uh, uh, destroyer, sunk a destroyer using a some sort of a beam weapon. And uh, the other thing, there was also jets that were, you know, like like conventional. Well, you know, back then, of course, the German, uh, uh, you know, the jet program, I'm sure, never really got off the ground as far as we know. But by by this year, who knows, they could have developed some product that uh, was very new at the time. But they were involved. So there was some advanced uh, German jet fighters plus these uh, craft that flew out of the water and uh, took out and then jumped back into the water, of course. Okay, and uh, these, you know, of course now if you watch this Russian film, uh, you'll see the film of these these craft, and the craft look exactly like some of the German craft that we're going to talk about that that we know were being built uh, on in Germany uh, prior to the end of the war. Well, if you go to my, you know, okay, this is this is one of those things I want you to write down. My web page. That's another thing I want you guys to try to go to my Facebook page if you can. Uh, friend me if those of you that have not friended me, and I'll have a link for that movie. Uh, and of course, uh, if you contact me or if I'll try to put that movie out, you can find it. But it's basically a Russian movie. It has American subtitles, and uh, it's uh, <laughs> it, it's it's pretty incredible. But but they don't. You know they don't talk about the the hollow earth and all that, but they do get pretty heavy into the uh, the mythology involved and some of the uh, a lot of people you know when they talk about the Nazis they look, they talk about the satanic connections and the uh, connections to Tibet and you know the search for the Holy Grail and the spear of destiny and all of that and certainly this plays a role in this. Because when you get down to it, uh, as crazy as all the mythology seems, and not just German mythology, you know, obviously the Germans, Aryans, they had some crazy ideas about the uh, there being a Aryan uh, super race that was uh, uh, responsible for basically being the uh, uh, ancestors of everybody here on the earth today. In in a way, there is something to that because an Aryan is a prototype human. A Aryan is basically just like the beginning human prototype prior to the addition of all the extra uh, upgrades, if you will, which which represent the different species. So there's you know so the Aryans have got it half right. You know yes they they are special in a way, but that just means they haven't got all the upgrades. It's like a uh, computer without all the upgrades. So no harm. To all my Aryan friends out there, but uh, but but that goes to this inner Earth thing. Okay, they they thought that they had uh, connections to Atlantis. Okay, they were looking for connections to Atlantis, and there was a uh, oh gosh, well they called it the Anerbe. I can't, it's so hard for me to pronounce this. I tried to get the uh, pronunciation properly, but it sounds like the Anerbe uh, Society. And that was started by Himmler, and basically what they were was like uh, they they were their purpose was to go and do all this research and to hunt down all these artifacts, all travel all over the world, 
and find the ancient artifacts and ancient documents that would give them this knowledge that would give them a superiority in warfare as well as uh, basically prove their beliefs that the Aryans were the uh, uh, forefathers of all the modern humans, etc., etc. Well, um, you know, uh, some of the stuff that they were doing was, was very accurate and, and, and clearly they they learned great things and they they did pick up some incredible things uh you know and there's certain things in particular that that will relate to antarctica uh that I'm going to try to not to forget to mention but you know as far as things like the holy grail okay they had this belief that the holy grail was a cup that was used by jesus at the uh, uh the last supper but that's not what the holy grail is that was that's a fallacy now the spear of destiny uh, which was an important artifact that they did get a hold of. That was the actual spear that was used to pierce the side of Christ. I mean, that that does exist, you know. So that's an important artifact. The USA apparently has that now. Whoever has that thing is supposed to become the uh, rule of the world, so to speak, be in control. So I guess Hitler had it for a while. Now we have it. But they want the, the uh, so-called Holy Grail. They thought that was going to make them invincible. And, of course, the Holy Grail doesn't really exist. The Holy Grail is royal blood. That's what that means. Uh, let's see. Their their sub-commander was a guy named Dornetz, right? Dornetz, I believe. And he made a few references to this in public. And he said that based, that they had discovered a paradise. Okay. And they what they they started sending regular cargo ships down to Antarctica. Uh, the Germans did. They had an Antarctic, I'm sorry, an Antarctic route, and they had this going on since uh, 1939 at least. You know, going through and up up until the very end of the war, naturally. And these were big ships, and they were bringing everything down there. But they were also bringing giant tunnel boring machines and and uh, all sorts of skilled workers and scientists and engineers and trucks and railroads you know so clearly they were building massive underground structures but uh in 1942 when when things started uh, looking turning i suppose you know it seems a little bit early but that's when they began the transfer of the technology uh, and all the industrial stuff down there so you know, and it goes beyond that. At, at one time, uh, they started shipping people. Now, you know, I, people should know, if they don't know, that uh, one of the things the Nazis did was they were very into these breeding programs where they would uh, have these SS officers breeding with these uh, so-called, you know, Aryan women. And, you know, when it comes to Aryan women, it wasn't just Germans, per se. And it's interesting that Ukraine is in the picture, uh, big in the picture today because a lot of blonde women from the Ukraine were shipped off to Antarctica. And, uh, and this is all very interesting because of what they were really doing. Now, we talk, we hear a lot about these, uh, UFOs landing and these blonde people getting out, you know, tall blondes, basically, you know, these statuesque, uh, examples of humans. They, of course, are always blonde, blue eyed. Well, hello, you know, that's what they were doing. They were, they were setting up all these, they were creating a new country. Well, you know, people think this is just a base in Antarctica. They think, okay, I mean, they found a lot of things. They found, uh, Areas that were warm, 
that didn't have snow on the ground that were that were you know not freezing and and this was due to uh, heated pools and things like that and there's a reason for this too. Uh, okay, now I was talking about the guys running around and finding the uh, ancient artifacts. Well, one of the things they found was a map uh, by this Turkish uh, navigator, and it was he was a 16th century Turkish navigator. And uh, let me see what was his name. Piri, I believe. Oh, gosh. Anyway, but this guy, this navigator, basically, he made this map, and in this map he had uh, Antarctica showing with no ice. And uh, the thing is, though, is that he they said, "How? where did this come from? And, you know, I mean, obviously in 1600, the guy said that, you know, his records showed that he basically collected information that was like 300 years before him to, to get these, to, to put this map together. But anyway... The the uh, the map was actually more accurate than the uh, than what we have today, and it wasn't until they had the sonar devices or, or the uh, penetrating radar, ground penetrating radar, that they could actually identify going through the thick ice where the landmass truly was, and uh, this is this is very significant because this ancient map was accurate and it showed islands that these people had no idea were actually uh, not, they were actually islands as opposed to they thought it was just one big landmass. And it wasn't until they had this, uh, yeah, Piri Reese. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> yeah, Piri Reese. Oh, my God. That's, see, this is what we have producers for. i got to be looking at the screen, though, to see that. If, so if you want to write that down, people, his name's P-I-R-I, last name R-E-I-S, Piri Reese. And his map is uh, from 1531. Anyway, so so basically, the Germans were had access to this map, and one of the things, in fact, if you if you do pay attention to news, you'll notice that just recently, the uh, USA has released a re, uh, released a revised map of Antarctica, which basically shows it without the ice and shows two channels, essentially bisecting the entire continent, and this is very important because these channels are what these guys, these sub people, were looking for. These this Dornetz character. Uh, and what have you. They were able, so this is these sub-bases basically went under, you know, they would enter these things from underwater. There were, they found huge lakes and they found huge air pockets. And, uh, you know, even the Russians have been doing ice drilling through the ice and they're, they're, uh, they're, they're basically affirming this. And we've also, how many of us have heard these stories about the holes in the ice? I know a lot of people know there's a hole in the ice up at the North Pole and there's a hole in the ice up at the South Pole. And these things, you know, where the heck do they go? Well, a lot of people think these are the entrances to the uh, middle of the earth and all that. And in a way, you could say that they are, but what, what they really are is, is entrances to these caverns. Now, there are German maps, uh, and there's a lot of German documents that show these, these caverns, and these were essentially used by the submarines to navigate through here. And... Basically, a submarine could enter from the uh, the northern half, northern top of, or, well, I guess it's not the northern because of when you consider where it is, but they could enter from one side, Queen's Mons Land, roughly, and come out completely opposite, 180 degrees, uh, over on the other side of the continent. And they had pathways to do this. But in the very center of this passage, there was actually a hole that went down through into the earth, and apparently this only goes something like 200 miles and you come out on the other side, which is the inner ocean on the inner earth. And, and that's, 
that right there in itself is 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 the most incredible thought that anybody can uh, can comprehend. And it's so easy for people to think, okay, that's ridiculous for this reason and that reason and this reason. So one of the things we're going to do tonight is we're going to discuss. We're not going to get into the politics or the history. I mean, these are all things that you have to consider. But we're going to discuss some of the physical aspects of an inner Earth world and how it's how it's realistic and how it corresponds to the physics that we know of as as uh, shown to us by people like Nassim Harriman and what we know from physics just through study of metaphysics and quantum physics. So, anyway, uh, now, now we know there's a northern entrance too, and there's a lot of Scandinavian uh, and uh, Nordic tales and, and stories about fishermen getting lost in, in the Arctic and running across uh, people who have basically surfaced from the center and come up and and uh, help help these people, you know, rescued them. And, you know, a lot of times they talk about these uh, very large giants, these very tall people. Of course, they're always blonde and this and that. Uh, and, and, you know, we know that uh, we talk about Atlantis, and and I talk a lot about epochs. All right, and this is kind of one of the first things that you have to consider when you consider a uh, an inner Earth. All right, uh, you know, physics aside, we'll get into the physics soon enough. But one of the important things to consider about an inner Earth is that because it's protected by the outer layer of the the uh, you know the land, of course, the crust, the shell, uh, it's not being exposed to the radiation coming from the sun. Or other sources of radiation, such as uh, source or, or uh, uh, you know, source, you know, hot. well, I mean, the sun, of course, obviously is our closest source of uh, harmful radiation and what have you. But radiation can come from other sources. And that's not to say that the sun doesn't serve an important purpose for delivering scalar information. As we've, as I have talked and hypothesized in earlier shows, I believe that all sources of plasma, all suns, all mass, all bodies are able to transmit uh, scalar information because I think that's the nature of scalar is because it's instantaneous and it's there. it does travel at the speed of light, which means it's everywhere at once. And when people talk about wormholes, this is what they're really talking about. They're talking about the correlation between the scalar information and these bodies of mass, specifically relating to suns and balls of plasma. And this is important when thinking about the hollow Earth, because in the center of our Earth, there isn't a ball of nickel, molten nickel, like they try to tell us, what's really in the center of our Earth is a ball of plasma, very much like a miniature sun. Now, if we look at the the physics behind this, uh, some of the things we know, and of course I've got a reference to Nassim Harriman, and if you get the opportunity to study everything that he says, you'll you'll see when he talks about this in relation to black holes and planets and suns, and he says this, these all do the same thing. A black hole is a great uh, way to define it because black holes are very violent and uh, it's easy to actually visualize what's what's going on, the phenomena that I'm trying to describe here. So, so in order to describe where the plasma ball in the center of the Earth comes from, I'll describe what a black hole does. Okay, the first thing they do is they have this magnetic... Uh, 
energy all around him, which forms that torus, that donut that we talk about, okay? Just like the humans do. Everything does. Our heart does. Our brain does. Molecules do it. And it's, and it's basically the way the energy travels. And it's like a spiral. It's like a, a, uh, a, a, well, if you will, a, a whirlpool or a tornado. Uh, and top to the bottom, if you say, if you say, if you look at one whirlpool on the top and one whirlpool on the bottom, meeting at the center, uh, the center is where that uh, ball of plasma would be, and at the t- and the whirlpools fan out and make that donut and connect to the other side, which creates that uh, that whole torus or that whole donut-looking shape. Now, this action, this energy, this creation of this donut creates these whirlpools in the center. In these whirlpools, of course, that's exactly what they do to energy. They cause the energy to flow inward in both directions because of the way it spins. And, of course, it spins in both directions. And we know energy travels in both directions. So what happens when this energy is sucked into these whirlpools on opposite sides is that they implode. They collide in the center of this donut. When they collide in the center of the donut, they explode when they explode, they go outwards the same way they come, and they make a plume of energy. And they tr- this plume of energy travels out so far, and then it is you know the explosive forces are unable to to overcome the gravitational forces, and then it's drawn back in, and it implodes one more time, and it repeats this process, and it goes over and over and over. Black holes we can we can observe have these plumes that come out of the top and the bottom of energy, energy and light and everything else, the whole electromagnetic spectrum, as well as the scalar spectrum, of course. But this this happens over and over, and what happens is when this energy ex, uh, explodes, it creates a resonance, a resonant frequency of energy, and of course we know that a magnetic field very much the same as what we're creating with the uh, Earth. Okay, obviously the Earth, when you think of the magnetic field, think of the Van Allen belt and these big magnetic fields that are protecting the Earth from the solar radiation and all that. Well, it's kind of like an apple. They have the hole, or like a toroidal hole at the poles of the Earth, and that's where this energy is coming out. And these poles are probably also used as vortexes, or not vortexes, but portals. Uh, the Nazis believed that these were portals, and in a way, they are portals, but when, when we think of flying saucers and what have you using these portals to actually uh, use them as a wormhole to do time travel or something, something of this nature, again, what they're really doing is they're using the mass of the plasma ball, just like they would use the mass of the sun or any other star for that matter, to be as a portal. And when they say portal, it's not really a portal. What it really is, is it's a coordinate that doesn't change, and it's a vector. And when you are doing this high-speed travel with this uh, uh, speed of light travel, it's very easy to turn into energy and use these vectors to, as a reference point to, uh, to, to travel or vector to a different reference point instantaneously. And that's what wormholes really are. That's what star travel is. But back to the center of the Earth. All right, so you've got this, this, this magnetic field, and then you've got this little like nuclear explosion creating this plasma, and, and it's more like a fission. It's more like what the guys at Lawrence Livermore are trying to do with compressing energy and creating a fission, or fusion, I guess that's what they actually call it. That's exactly what it is. 
the 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 magnetic field holds it in the center. It's that's the that's the containment device. The magnetic field also compresses it. That's what creates the plasma. So you've got and and it throbs. It beats just like a sun. There's the resonant frequency of the energy. Uh, that's also a source for free energy. The Earth has a, a resonant frequency. More than likely, that resonant frequency of the Earth corresponds to the resonant frequency of this plasma ball at the center of the Earth. Okay, that's this is very important. This is uh, important for understanding the nature of uh, free energy. I mean, again, when I say the Earth is hollow, take it, take it or leave it. Uh, I'm not saying that this is. I'm not going to tell you to, to believe this without doing your own research. This is definitely something that you want to look into. But this is this is also very important. Uh, okay, so now if you imagine the sun, remember the sun is going to produce a little bit of heat, so it's going to be heating these people. It's going to be delivering uh, DNA information through its connection to source, through its uh, scalar, uh, through the mass transmitting the scalar information. So that that tells you right there that these people may be uh, protected from harmful radiation, but they still have access to source through this plasma ball. The temperature is going to be the same throughout. The, wa- the warmth, the water is going to be warm, and there are going to, there's going to be no polar regions. There's no equator. If there's any difference in the uh, thickness of the Earth, say at the equator region, it may be a little bit thicker than it is towards the top where the holes are. That region may be like an equator. It may be slightly warmer because it's a little bit closer. But basically, you're going to have warm water. Now, the Nazis believed that there was warm water flowing. They thought there was a warm water lake and that the water coming from this warm water lake was causing these tunnels to be formed in the ice, basically by warm water flowing to the ocean through these uh, fissures that turned into uh, warm water uh, channels. And this is what the, the Nazis were using. Well, it turned out that this warm water lake wasn't a warm water lake. It was actually the entrance to the inside. And, of course, the water's warm because, again, there's no polar regions. There's no equator. It's all heated by this internal sun. One of the other things that's interesting that the uh, the Nazis believed is that the the portals or the, the Arctic regions uh, served as portals and that one was an entrance and that one was an exit. And I, I can't remember if they thought the the uh, North Pole was the entrance or the exit or the South Pole was. But I'm inclined to believe that water may actually flow from the northern poles into the center and then back out from the center out through the Antarctic, again, creating that warm water channels and those, those water flows. But, again, that's all speculation. Oh, all right, let me look at the time real quick. Seven forty. Okay, we got 20 minutes. All right. Anyway. Well, I gotta tell you, this, these guys—they really—they really did not like it when I was talking about this uh, before, and I focused a lot on the Victor Schauberger, and uh, Victor Schauberger is definitely important for a lot of reasons because of the toroidal uh, effects and 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 the uh, the movement. But the other thing that's important is to realize is that we do have this uh, this anti gravity uh, technology. And I'll tell you, uh, just recently, I mean, the Americans have a, have their own Victor Schauberg. Over in America, we have a guy named Robert Townsend Brown, and he was the American that came up with the, uh, uh, the American version of anti-gravity. It was very simple. And again, it's not really anti-gravity per se. It's more like ion propulsion because it's basically all it is is creating a big capacitor 
where the positive side of the capacitor is up and the bottom side of the capacitor is on the bottom. And uh, this is a little bit of a tangent, but uh, basically the bottom side of the capacitor puts out negative energy and the positive side puts out a positive energy. The positive energy is, creates like a vacuum in the ether or the air around us. The vacuum wants to pull the item up, the disk in this chip place or uh, instance. And the negative energy being put out of the bottom actually pushes Okay, because it's essentially everything's basically negative energy around us. So when you create more negative energy, it pushes, and when you create positive, it creates a vacuum and pulls. And that's the same concept and that, that drives these UFOs, and this is a very important thing that Schauberger said, and, and uh, this is a very important part of the American technology as well as the uh, Nazi technology, as well as the Russian technology, as well as the alien technology and everything else. So now... Let's talk a little bit about alien UFOs. Or not alien UFOs, but let's talk a little bit about the Nazi UFOs. Okay. Uh, there were two societies, first of all. One was the uh, Thule Society, T-H-U-L-E, Thule, believe, Thule Society. And there was the Vril Society, V-R-I-L. And some people say that the Vril was part of the Thule and that they were, you know, one was larger than the other. Uh, they both served common purposes. They both basically were uh, gathering places for for uh, metaphysical knowledge and uh, specifically the use of psychic skill to uh, contact higher, higher creatures and to uh, generate uh, access to uh, you know high technology and alien technology. And uh, the difference between these two societies, if you look at them, a lot of people will look at the Vril and the Thule and they'll immediately say, okay, these guys are satanic or, or you know, evil Nazis and this and that. But the reality is that uh, <laughs> the uh, one of them was more of a peaceful metaphysical uh, group and and promoted a, a spiritual uh, embrace uh, kind of a service to others type of thing, very very enlightened. And the other one was more of a Nazi uh, group that wanted to promote the uh, the Aryan race and all of that, the the uh, enslaving the rest of the world and and uh, kind of the the negative aspects of the of the Nazi culture at the time. But they both utilized psychics, and they both had made. Uh, very very successful contacts with other entities, and again we can we can speculate on that. I suspect that they actually did make contact with Pleiadian type entities, uh, you know, humanoids of the service to other type. They probably also made contact with negative entities such as the gray guys. Uh, I'm not sure if they made contact with reptoids or not, but you know, there's a lot of people that suggest that uh, Hitler was certainly dealing with the Greys. But then, why, why is that a surprise when we are dealing with them ourselves right now, a la Area 51 or a la uh, Roswell? Anyway, uh, a few of these things that I can tell you about these the Thule Society is that they recruited these women, and uh, one of them, and they call them, oh gosh, what were they? They were Vril ladies or Vril madams. <laughs> Damens, Damens, yeah, that would be German. Uh, Vril Damen. And one of them was more famous one, whose name was uh, Sigun, S-I-G-U-N. And uh, she was from uh, Czechoslovakia, I guess it was uh, Greb. Yeah, I believe that was Czechoslovakia. And she was a very talented psychic. And uh, there are several like her. There's at least five of them that were, that were very well known at the time. 
And one of the things that was very interesting about these women is that they had very, very, very long hair. I mean, there's pictures of these uh, these women with hair down to their uh, kneecaps, practically, you know, long. And the reason why they did this is that they believed that the uh, hair was uh, a, uh, a receptor for information, downloads, and uh, psychic information. And we know today that, yeah, that's true. You know, we know that the American Indians uh, felt the same way, and they let their hair long because it made them better scouts. It made them in contact with the uh, Great Spirit. And we know that the uh, that they, when they tested these guys and when they cut their hair, they realized that they lost a lot of their skills, and they basically allowed them to grow their hair long because they were able to maintain this connection. We've also learned that there's actually magnetite in the scalp, in in the uh, layer just within our skull, and that this acts as a receptor to this information. So yes, clearly the long hair is a great way to increase your ability to uh, receive this information. It's essentially fiber optics. It's essentially acts as an antenna. Okay, so it feeds this feeds it to the top of your head. But anyway, uh, so supposedly these women were able to give information to these guys and. Uh, help them with with building these flying saucers. Uh, okay, you guys, all right, real quick, I'm going to stop real fast because Sugar Zone 1, Sungazer it is, has asked a question, and, and I've, I've seen this question, but I'm, I'm just going to try to take care of it real quick. Okay, you're talking about a major uh, announcement, as promised. Okay, now I am not, uh, what's his name? <laughs> I can't remember his name right now. Brown or whatever, you know, the guy that was, uh, eh, anyway, putting out the big announcement right now, but... Uh, this is the thing. We are having revelation. I mean, or, or what do they call it? Uh, oh, Sean, help me out here. What is it? What are these UFO people they call when they when it's uh, it's put out there? Huh? What's the word? Hmm. Anyway, uh, the <laughs> yeah, the it is coming out. Uh, they've uh, you know we have you, we have big giant UFO motherships floating around over the Ukraine. All right. We have airliners disappearing off the face of the earth. Yes, something has happened. I suspect that we are we are basically having disclosure. That's the word I was looking for. We are having disclosure, but it's taking place right now. It is taking place right now. the The problem is is that people don't pay attention. It doesn't matter if it's right in front of your face. I've heard people say this to me. I can't believe it. And they, you know, they say, "Well, it's got to be right in front of my face before I believe it." You know, and even if it was on CNN, it doesn't matter where you're going to see it. You're not going to believe it. Uh, it it's got to walk up and slap you in the face. It's like I said the other night. You know, you're not going to believe uh, what's going on in the country until they shoot you in the back of the head. You know, then you'll believe it. Where did I learn about the scalp proceeding? Well, that's that's uh, type. Yeah, Google Indians and long hair. Truth about long hair. That's a good thing. The Skype truth about long hair. Uh, <laughs> anyway, back to the. Oh gosh. All right. See so you guys. May forget. All right. The. Uh, the thing is, though, is that I want to talk about this inner Earth thing because a lot of people, if you, if if aliens all of a sudden popped up out of nowhere, if huge motherships just popped up out of nowhere, yes, it could be Pleiadians, yes, it could be reptoids, yes, it could be Nazis, all these things. It could be craft that have flown out of Antarctica. It could, you know, there's all these possibilities. So it's very important that everybody understand these key things, and you also have to understand also. Again, you know, we take the entirety of human history, whatever has happened in the last 20,000 years, 
you know, to us, that se- it seems really important. But again, it's all a blip on the ruler. It's it's a tiny, tiny passage of time in relationship to things that have been going on in this planet for much longer than than our own personal recorded history. And that's why this all is important to understand, because when we look at what we consider as important, these crises, uh, the wars, uh, radiation from Fukushima, things like this, all of this can be corrected by these superior forces. But, again, how we perceive the movement of, of correction is about the same way we perceive the movement of change. So, so in other words, it's like, yes, our lives are... Uh, you know, tangible are, are, are certainly, uh, <laughs> you know, destructible. We, we certainly are not intended to be here for, for the duration. And certainly we are susceptible to, uh, passing at any given time. But, uh, but that, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's really not important. So, Heather Material. No, don't know what the heck Heather Material is. But, Anyway, we got ten minutes till the end of the hour, and I, I've covered it pretty good. But I don't, I don't mind. We can go ahead and take some questions. So, I'm, Sean, obviously you can handle that. I'm assuming that the phone number, the call number, is three four seven six eight eight two nine zero two. And again, I want to focus on this. Uh, I want to focus on the inner Earth. I want to focus on the Nazis and and any kind of the technical aspects of what we've covered tonight. <laughs> Everyone wants to hear about long hair. And also, we have a Skype. You can Skype at Freedom Screen, one word, the word freedom and the word screen, S-C-R-E-E-N. Skype us in. And, uh, again, the break is only going to be about five minutes. Uh, hopefully, it's only going to take 24 hours for the, for the video to show up on YouTube, and I will certainly produce my, my, uh, more comprehensive video with the graphics sometime shortly thereafter. But, <laughs> and you guys from Sky, uh, you guys in the chat room are certainly welcome to, uh, to, to chime in and join me if you'd like. And I'm looking for the, forward to the break now so I can go run and get a drink of water to give my, give my voice a rest for a second, brief second. All right. What else do I want to talk about? All right. The, uh, well, I should talk about the UFOs. I, I definitely want to talk about the German UFOs and the various different types. And, and of course, when I deliver the graphics, I'll have pictures of the various different types. And, and the thing that's important about the different versions of the UFOs is they had different, uh, and again, we don't really call them UFOs. They were flying craft, beam ships, uh, is what they could do. Some were more local. Some definitely had interstellar capability. And, and certainly the Germans, there's captured documents showing the big, craft that essentially look like a big cigar and you know we're constantly seeing these cigar shaped UFOs and this is why it's important to understand that the Germans were were doing this and it's not necessarily because they invented it it could be because this is typical of the aliens they they came up with this concept a long time ago it could be very conducive to uh to space travel but we know that even even the Russians have been speculating that the Germans have been flying this stuff out of their bases in Antarctica for a long time. So the Americans need to be aware of this stuff. Uh, the other big political aspect of this entire equation is that uh, when we lost our battle at, uh, uh, what was it, Operation High Jump, at the same time we were having this battle at Operation High Jump, we were still actively bringing German scientists into the country, et cetera, et cetera, and German uh, SS people and uh, uh, Gestapo people into the country, and that was the basis of the CIA. And so, so where do we get off? It's almost like uh, 
uh, we were very spiteful. The the ones that got away, the ones that weren't we weren't able to take into under our wing, uh, we were out to destroy, and obviously we are very unsuccessful. So when we take in consideration that the United States is basically run by a cabal, which is essentially half Nazi, you know, real live Nazi, and the other half is a Zionist type of uh, Illuminati type of uh, thing, uh, it's not so hard to understand how could the Nazis have so much power. It's very simple. They not only did we bring them into our country and hand them the keys to our our control, but we also got defeated by them in the very last battle of the war, and we realized that they could fly from pole to pole almost instantaneously in in, in craft that we could not defeat. So they had de facto won. So when people say that we defeated the Nazis in the war, that's not true. It's it's extremely not true. We may have destroyed Germany and, and uh, killed a lot of German citizens and destroyed a lot of obsolete industry, but at the same time, that's that was a holocaust. That was a blood sacrifice. All the satanic people uh, get off on that good stuff. <laughs> yes, the deluge, the Bible, the waters did come from the ground too, but that is... Uh, 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 that's not the center of the earth, though. The, again, you guys, when you think about, you know, I talked about the earth being uh, 200 miles thick. Uh, inner earth is larger than our oceans. Yeah, yeah, the water supply in the inner earth is larger than our oceans. I'm going to post some maps, okay? Uh, I'll, I'll suffice it to say, real quick, when when you talk about New Schwabenland, people think that New Schwabenland is actually a section of territory on the continent of Antarctica. Well, certainly, yes, there is. German territory on the continent of Antarctica, but New Schwabenland is actually a very large island on the inside of the Earth, just just you know, inside of the the you know relatively close to the entrance there, and that's not to say. Remember, they're the new kids on the block. When they made access to the inner Earth, they had also made contact with the inhabitants of the inner earth. And remember, if you go back to their all their business with trying to hook up to their ancient Viking heritage and all that, that's where that all connects to. So yes, there are all there are big, huge, ancient uh, creatures, entities, humanoids, large, tall humanoids, blonde in nature that live within the earth. But that's not all that lives there. There are, there are also other entities. There's lots of different entities, and certainly they don't have the uh, overpopulation issues that we do here on the Earth, and certainly not. They haven't been <laughs> completely peaceful. Okay, break time. Music. We'll be right back in a couple minutes. You guys stick with us and come back. We'll take some calls. All right. Thank you. Children and missing persons. Surveillance, civil and criminal investigations. I investigate. You know, I am the chosen one. Do not underestimate the power of good. 
and do not dismiss the strength of the child. Yes, every Wednesday evening on Revolution Radio, come join our very own eye investigatrix, Monique Lassan, with her private eye X-Files. So you're the finder of lost children. Private Eye X-Files, every Wednesday from 10 to midnight Eastern Studio B on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. I realize it's very hard for you to take in, but it's your destiny to find the golden child. Listen in to Journeys with JP, Tuesdays on Revolution Radio at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, with a variety of guests, each giving their unique perspective on their journey through to the now. Journeys offers you, the listener, a chance to share that perspective. Join me, JP, on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on Revolution Radio, simulcast with Wolf Spirit Radio. Every Tuesday evening on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com, we present our goddess spiritual warrior, Kathy Bilski. I command. I call to the architect of the universe's divine creators and ask for permission to quantum leave the world in all life forms on all planes and dimensions, seen and unseen, connected with planet Earth to let us go beyond our known potential into the greatest unknown golden age the universes and worlds and all planets have ever experienced. Kathy teaches the spiritual truth so that you may create a better life and be able to make positive changes for yourself and for the planet. She helps us remember that we are not powerless but very creative spiritual beings having an earth experience. Time to quantum leap into the age of divine enlightenment and let Kathy provide you with the tools of knowledge you need to awaken spiritually. That's the Quantum Leap Show. Let light unite every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern on Revolution Radio Studio B. Enter into a world unseen on Raven Star's Witching Hour. You will encounter eclectic topics from the realm of spirit brought into our matrix of truth. With your host, the Solaris Blue Raven. Solaris will bring you an array of unique guests covering topics from ghostly spirits to amazing anomalies, covert technology, UFOs, and shadowy global events. And that's right here at Revolution Radio FreedomSlips.com, Saturdays, midnight till 2 a.m. Eastern Time. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. Let the magic rise. <laughs> things were not quite right, that everything was just ever so slightly askew. Do you have, to paraphrase Morpheus, a splinter in your mind? If you're interested in hearing the latest information about UFOs, the paranormal, ancient cultures and structures, monatomic elements, longevity, fantastic discoveries in science, download it to your brain, then tune in to us. Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Mackie. And we are Shiny Side Out, Sundays, 2 to 4 a.m. Eastern. See you then. 
Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. Guess what, man? You got the Nighthawk here, man. And I'm telling you, news, information, and entertainment. And everything that is so awesome about Revolution Radio is right here for the taking. But, you know, Revolution Radio's hosts keep it hopping and rocking year-round, 24-7. And I bet you have a favorite host, or maybe you got many favorite hosts, right? And I'm also betting you didn't catch every show. So now you can order the Season 2013 Podcast Disc. It's all of your favorite host shows of each show, depending on who the host is, from 2013. For now, $30 per host, which means that you get the podcast of every broadcast in 2013 that your favorite host did, starting in February, actually, uh, this year. And uh, not only do you help fund the station by picking these up, but you help fund your favorite host's work. Because I split the proceeds of the sale with the host, less the shipping, of course. So this is just $30, and you get a DVD, data DVD, that has every podcast for the entire year. Uh, Whose podcast are you earning? Well, all you have to do is visit freedomslips.com forward slash season2013.htm. There's a little box. You type in your favorite host name and click pay. And when you're done, you will receive your podcast disc in 7 to 21 days, depending on the demand. Hey, man, I'm just one guy, right? Anyway, and as an added bonus, man, if you order more than five host season DVDs, I'm going to give you a free one-year access to our daily archives. So, man, don't miss out. It's all here. It's all here. You can help us. You can help the station. Help fund the station. And the host get half of it, which means you get to help fund your favorite host. I mean, how could it be better? There is no other station out here that does that. So thank you very much. Uh, this is Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, man. You're listening to the Nighthawk, and I'm telling you what, man. This is where information never ever sleeps, including me. Revolution Radio. Revolution Radio. Listening to Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, 100% listener supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Okay, welcome back to the second half of the Steve D. Kelly Show Hollow Earth Special with yours truly. Kelly, and now you guys, if you want to join us, of course, uh, call in. I can I can continue to spew for a while here on UFOs and, and uh, alien, German UFOs particularly. But if you want to call in, join me right now. Area code three four seven six eight eight two nine zero two. Skype me in at Freedom Screen if you're already my my uh, Skype buddy. You know I can try to add you too, or you can have Sean add you. Uh, and just for those of you that are interested that want to add me to Skype, it's Steve, my name, Stephen D. Kelly, but with a Stephen.D.Kelly, periods. 
Uh, you know, I was just listening to the commercial, and, and uh, all right, I, I got to tell you guys, you want to show me some love, take advantage of that thing that Hawk is talking about with the uh, CD for $30 of 19, or was it 2013? I think I had some pretty decent shows. We had some good shows in 2013, huh, Sean? Yeah, absolutely. I think we had some great shows in 2013, so, yeah, you know. I got a guest list over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know we had some pretty phenomenal shows in 2013. So, uh, anyway, so so you know, I would be pleasantly uh, surprised and very pleased if some of you people out there would actually buy that. And I go, wow, you know, we got a, I got a check from Nighthawk. Somebody actually bought it. And it's like, wow, that's so cool. So so come on, you guys. I know a few people are listening to the show. Think about it. The whole 2013 on disc. That's a lot of hours. Gosh, that, that's like 150 hours, I think, something like that. Anyway. All right. Uh, let's see. Again, listener-supported radio. That is a great way to support the station, though, right there. You know, and you're getting a, a darn CD, you know, with all that content. Jeez. So so that's that's a great way to support the station. Otherwise, if you want to just send a check, certainly just click on the uh, support button on the page. Again, I want to remind people how important it is to join our Facebook page Easy enough to find www.facebook.com forward slash freedom slips. Please go there and like the page, and that's all you have to do. Press one button, and you'll get our little updates from uh, Revolution Radio. And you'll know when who I'm having on my show and who the other hosts are having on their shows, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you'll also get important information like the fact that our our YouTube channel has changed, and we need to get you guys to go to the new YouTube channel. And again, I don't have that in front of me, so I can't read it to you, but it's a mouthful. So, but, we, but again, if you can go to our Facebook page, which is easy to get to, you can find that information right there. And I'm sure you can probably find it on our website too, but we need people to subscribe. Uh, again, and I want people to go to my Facebook page, which is simple enough to find, just do a search for Stephen D. Kelly. And if you want to see any of my old videos, uh, certainly you can go to the YouTube and just do a search on Stephen D. Kelly. There are all my old lectures and stuff are there, too. Unfortunately, I don't have my old Nazi lecture one of these days. Who knows? Like, I might I might have it on 8-millimeter uh, tape somewhere. <laughs> all right. Uh, what do you think, Sean? Anybody want to, out there want to call in and talk to us here? I'll just go start talking about uh, <laughs> about Nazi UFOs. But we're not going to call this yet, but the lines are open. Anybody the lines are working? Yeah. All right. All right, you guys. If you want to talk about your, well, I don't know. Who, 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 who's, I don't think anybody's got personal experience with Nazi, Nazi UFOs in particular. Plenty of people out there want to say they've been abducted and what have you. But, uh, okay, Victor Schauberger. Gosh, I should get his name right. I don't know. You want to Google that for me real quick? It's Victor, V-I-C, or V-I-K-T-O-R, Schauberger, S-C-H, U A B E R G R. Uh, again, you want to Google him, Victor Victor Schauberger. Very important person. You want to you want to Google. Spend some time reading on him. Uh, avoid the WikiLeaks. If you go to WikiLeaks or any of these uh, propaganda-run sources of information, they're going to say, "Oh, this guy was a crazy Nazi, and and he didn't really do anything. It's it's all a hokum and you know fraud, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Of course, you know whoever wins the war writes 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 the uh, history books. Uh, he did his first test of a anti gravity per se device in 1922, and it was kind of like a uh, three disc spinning around. 
uh, in opposite directions, and I suppose they created some sort of centrifugal force that acted as an anti-gravity type thing. This was an, uh, unmanned, of course, but it was just a big device. Uh, you know, and Tesla, a lot of people say that Tesla did the same thing. And yes, it is true. Uh, Tesla did actually patent uh, ideas, concepts for uh, beam ship type devices, anti-gravity type devices, ion ship drive type devices. Sungazer, I don't have a major announcement. Did I say I had a major announcement? Courtney Brown, that's the guy with the major announcement. Not me. <laughs> But, uh, no, geez, guys, uh, the, the major announcement, I mean, all right, I'm just going to go to that subject real quick. You know, the whole purpose of this hollow earth business is to realize that we haven't been alone since way before we've been alive, way before we've ever taken any, uh, ability to write humans. And, 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 and our, and our whole surface world comes and goes in, a, in you know, on a, in a constant time, uh, Often, you know, by their comparison, and they, and they've they've taken us in. Well, they've definitely taken in the Nazis. And I'll tell you, when you get down to it, it you know, and I'll I'll put this out there real quick. Ukraine could be a big setup right now, to a a fraudulent uh, thing to try to to get in the uh, the USA and the Russia. Because you got to remember, the Russians and the U.S. are really uh, allies. Okay, because the real enemy here. Are these Nazis, these inner earth new Schwabenland Nazis. And, and we've had this secret agreement going on for a long time, uh, with, with the, uh, with the aim of trying to keep up with this, with this Nazi technology, which was so far advanced. I mean, you gotta understand, we're flying, uh, you know, piston engine driven Mustang P-51s and they're flying advanced, uh, jets and, and, uh, anti-gravity device UFOs and doing space travel. I mean, my God, they went to Mars. You know, I mean, it wasn't just Werner von Braun and the rockets and everything else. So we were, you know, good, good 50 years, at least 100 years. We don't have UFOs yet, but we're getting pretty close, uh, behind these guys. So when you take that into for grant, uh, you know, un, into your understanding, this is going back to 1940s. Uh, they're they're certainly beyond that now. Okay, we know we know that. Uh, hell, by the time um, the the, uh, the war over there in um, <clears throat> Operation Hijack took place, the technology that the Nazis were using was superior to what we had seen uh, during the war already. So they had the ability because remember they had set up these facilities down there in, in since uh, uh, what was it forty two they had building these building these facilities. So by then and they've they've also they had made contact and there's a lot of speculation that there was uh, people uh, that were involved in or entities involved other than the Nazis. You know I think it was Admiral Byrd himself when he made his report back to uh, what was it uh, Eisenhower I believe at the time that uh, he believed that the Germans were being assisted by entities uh, from the center of the earth. You know, so, <laughs> I mean, you know, and then, of course, he wanted Eisenhower to respond to the failure in, in Antarctica with a nuclear response, and Eisenhower did not want to be responsible for being going down in history as the man who, you know, nuked Antarctica, especially when they don't even want to say why. So... So anyway, so that's a big deal, you know, and uh, <laughs> I hope you guys realize what the big deal this is. I mean, just the whole idea that the earth is hollow, just to get over that, 
Uh, all right, let's look at some of the mechanics again. Area, there are certain places on Earth where there are known passageways to the other side. All right, uh, in in uh, the ancient ancient areas, obviously the the pyramids and what have you, the Sphinx. That is one of the one of the gates, I believe, has uh, has the passageways that goes down there. There's also in South America at some of these other pyramids, they've got they've known to have passageways go down there. Certain of the caves systems that we know of, I think you know Carlsbad caves, things like that. They may do they may do that. I mean, remember it's only 200 miles, you know. Uh, also, man-made ways passageways. Area 51 is known to have an elevator that goes all the way down to the other side. Obviously, human surface dwellers that you know should ever get the opportunity to do that don't expect to come back. You know, that's just one of those things. That's just like Area 51 in general. Just being there is practically life and death. And the deeper you get into their secret, you know, secretness, the less chance you have of actually getting out again. And once you you get access to the inside, that's it. You know, your life as a surface dweller is over. So you know, they just can't have that information out there. So, and from what I understand, the elevator that goes the 200 miles down to the other side is actually manned by personnel from the inside, i.e. large human types, blonde human types. So, again, you know, without going into the uh, what's on the other side, we, we know there's big, tall, blonde guys. There, yes, there could be reptoids. Who knows? Uh, if we want to go back, you know, from a political standpoint, looking at our own history per se, which sometimes applies to these things because uh, these humans tend to uh, get assimilated into the inner society, uh, we go back to the last epoch behind behind this one, you know, because our human history right now only pertains to this epoch right now. All of the dinosaurs, all that stuff, those are multiple, multiple epochs behind our current epoch. Our last epoch, pre-deluge, and I'm saying pre-pre-deluge, involved Atlantis and Lemuria and, and the uh, civilization of Mu. And these civilizations have certain connections genetically uh, and uh, society-wise to ours today in respect to, we could say, that the uh, people of Atlantis were more likely we would call the Semitic people, the Jewish people. There also was other races on, on Atlantis that we would look at as kind of an Aborigine type, very similar to the what we would people we would consider Aborigine from Australia. And they also had uh, Aborigine types that were were light skinned, light haired people, but with similar features. So so that was typical of the peoples that made up the society of uh, Atlantis, and supposedly they were a service-to-self society. They were energy consumers and gravity consumers, very advanced, but again, service-to-self, very similar to ours today. The other guys were the uh, people of uh, Mu, I guess it was, or the, and they were almost from, if we were to uh, think of where they were from, they would be like the Indian subcontinent. These were the guys with the Vishnas, uh, Vimnas. Uh, they were uh, primarily Aryan per se, which is difficult for a lot of people in India uh, to to get used to. But the northern parts of India were basically infiltrated by Aryan people, and uh, 
that's why there's a, a large portion of the people there that trace, trace their bloodline back to these Aryan roots. But it goes back very, very far. It goes back to the previous epoch. And these were the guys that were, I guess, almost if you had to, I don't want to say Nazis, but they were the, the opposite side of the coin to the uh, people of Atlantis, the energy users. So I think they were a little more spiritual. And I'm, I suspect they may have been of more of a service to others' uh, uh, philosophy, only because the uh, when we look at these people today, uh, associate you know the people of India and whatnot, and especially with the Swamis and and and, and all that, we we know that they were using the power of the brain and the power of meditation to do a lot of what the other people were doing with the power of technology, which is very. Uh, reminiscent of what's exactly going on today with the people of the service to self persuasion who represent the NSA and the CIA and the people that control the world, the Illuminati types, they're very technology uh, oriented because they don't have the skills, the psychic skills, because they are not on the service to others path. The service to others path, the opposite side of, of them, those the good guys, if you will, they have the ability to duplicate almost everything that the service to self types have that they do with their technology. The service to other types can can manifest the same technology or the same uh, effect with with uh, the power of nothing more than the brain and chi and the power of energy, et cetera, et cetera. So, so this is very important. And and is with respect to the uh, ancient technology and the ancient societies, it said that the Vimnas, uh, which were the craft used to actually destroy Atlantis with uh, some sort of an atomic bomb or something of that nature, were actually flown by the power of a Swami who essentially meditated and, and caused the craft to fly to wherever it was they wanted it to go. So that's a perfect example of uh, a society uh, utilizing the power of the spirit, meta metaphysics, etc., to uh, to achieve mechanical uh, <laughs> effects. All right, um, more about UFOs and stuff here, real quick. But come on, guys, three four seven if you want six eight eight two nine zero two. I know it's a tough tough uh, show to talk about. There's really, you know, how you can have questions about this, but it's not like I have a guest here that's going to go. Oh, I would want to say hello to you. <laughs> hello, Sean. Are you having a good time? Yeah. You learning anything? Yeah, I'm listening. I'm learning. Uh, <laughs> I've been researching all this stuff. I was actually just looking up uh, the relationship between the Indian culture and the swastika, and I realized um, that the swastika is an Indian sun symbol. Uh, just the colors yeah. changed. It's rotated by 45 degrees, and they took out the dots. Yeah, right. right. So, I mean, there's the culture you know, evident right there in the symbology. Yeah, certainly a connection right there. Yeah, well, we know that the uh, Nazis, you know, that Annenberg, whatever his uh, society set up, one of the things that they did do, of course, aside from searching out the, uh, you know, the Ark, you know, it's that's your Indiana Jones stuff right there, but they did do a lot of research into the uh, Tibetan societies and, and the Aryan culture's connection to that. Yeah, Vimana's right, Shiny Horse, thank you. But uh, so yeah, there was uh, very several of the German people, the notable German people uh, during that time pre-war, uh, publicly said how you know fortunate they were and how much they did actually achieve 
from the uh, uh, from the accumulation of this knowledge, you know, and uh, obviously just uh, getting that map that helped them secure those under underwater entrances to, in Antarctica was probably pretty darn useful, huh? <laughs> but uh, anyway, okay, let's see. Add me if you want. So, a Laura Light Sky would like to come in. You have a Laura Light Sky, Sean? I'm going to bring her down so you can add her if you want. Light Sky or, or Lightsaber. That's somebody from chat, I believe. Okay, well, while, while that person is coming in, uh, I was going to go back to Victor Schauberger and the discs here. But we know that he did his first test. Victor Schauberger did a test in 1922, and that's pretty early. But it wasn't until the about like 1934 that the uh, Thule Brill Society basically incorporated Schauberger into the program. And these guys, you know, which is kind of weird that you would have a metaphysical group taking over this high technology stuff. But they got, uh, oh, there, there they are. They got, uh, oh, okay, turn your radio off. All right. <laughs> Aurora, light sky, which, which is it? Hello. All right, well, unmute your mic. I had to turn the radio off because I couldn't hear you. Sorry. Good. Sorry about that. You're with us now. Yes. um, I've always been crazy about this kind of information, Um, like the Nazi Bell experiment and all of this other stuff, because it's basically I see it as the foundation for America and our, you know, the technology that we have. Mm, A lot. A lot, sure. Um, yep. and we we're smart, but we all we brought them over. And um, <clears throat> well, we brought so, over the Nazis, right? We we know we brought over a lot of Nazis, but they weren't just the scientists. We also brought all over their secret uh, police guys too. You know, right. the basis basis of our CIA. Uh, but and then of course after area or the uh, Roswell incident, we picked up a bunch of technology when we made a treaty with those little guys. Okay. Hang on, Aurora. Uh, I just want to welcome our next uh, caller here, 509. What's your name? Hi there. Hey, my name is Don. How are you? Yeah, hey, Don. What's going on? Hey, uh, I uh, I just happened to turn on this program tonight. It's really good. Uh, hey, I want to know, I would like to know or get your take on uh, on that cigar-shaped craft that was over to Ukraine. <laughs> if you already talked about it, I missed it. So Well, no, this is... This is that's okay. It's a good subject. All right. Um, see, this I'm is. Gonna, the, I'm gonna hang up and then I'll listen to you on the radio. All right. Well, I'll give you a second. Uh, if you don't mind, Aurora, I'm gonna address this question. Go ahead and hang up, Don, and I'll. Uh, I'll. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I'll answer your question. Give him a second. Oh, well, there's a time delay, so he'll get the answer. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, yeah, the cigar-shaped crap. That's the thing. You know, I I call this disclosure. And I, because yes, there a big giant cigar-shaped craft has showed up over the Ukraine, and um, this is very, very significant for a lot of reasons. First of all, it's a great test for the humans, just whether or not they believe it. You know, okay, is that real? Okay, then what is it? Is it real or is it is it American? Is it UFO? Is it da da da? And uh, is it a is it a holographic projection? What what the heck is it? Well, again, you know, nobody's saying Nazi. You know, this this is uh, this is exactly what these Nazis. I mean, my God, we we have discovered plans for these things, 
you know, when we when we raided uh, Germany, the factories, we we saw the drawings for these cigar-shaped craft, and we've been seeing reports of these things around uh, the Southern Atlantic, you know, and those oceans for a long time. Uh, you know, like St. George's Island popping up around there, Argentina. We know that. Uh, so. You know, and all these companies that were making this technology, uh, there was like nine of these companies that were making this technology. And I want to say this real quick, because Wendell Stevens was the one that said this, and I believe Wendell Stevens has actually dealt with this guy, and he's a very famous person when it comes to dealing with UFOs and the Billy Meyer, uh, con, you know, theory, stories and all that. But he said there was nine of these companies that made this technology, and eight of them just disappeared. Their employees, their, their, the contents of the factories just up and disappeared. And they know that one of them went to the Amazon, which was probably Brazil, and we know these things are flying out of Brazil. And uh, uh, one of them went to Norway, supposedly, and where the, and the rest of them probably went to Antarctica, down the hole to wherever, you know. So, <laughs> so, but anyway, so that's the thing with the with the craft that's above us. Uh, is it American? Some people have said it's American. This is where all the missing trillions of dollars went into was building this craft. Maybe, I don't know. Is it Nazi and American? Maybe. Is it American because we are Nazi? Maybe. I mean, we are Nazi, right? Practically. I mean, you know, when, in other words, it's like, when did we go from Operation High Jump, where we were trying to, where we were defeated by the Nazis in Antarctica, to being run by the Nazis in Antarctica? And I believe that, I kind of believe that the country that Hitler fought, USA, pre- uh, you know, pre-fall of Hitler, supposedly, you know, 1949, was really a Zionist-controlled country, just like Hitler said it was. But now, it's half Zionist, half Nazi, and I think that's because somewhere along the line, the Zionist guys probably got together with these uh, post-war uh, Antarctic or New Schwabenland Nazis and made a deal with them because they probably had no choice and we had the country was already being run by Nazis from you know via project paperclip anyway so anyway as far as the thing over there i kind of think that you know and this is a stretch but i wouldn't be surprised if the malaysian airliner was swooped up by one of these things and they're going to do a big thing where they're going to that's going to be the disclosure is this thing is going to drop down this airliner in the middle of uh, kiev or someplace appropriate with all the passengers on board. The passengers are all going to get out and do, do uh, uh, you know, press releases and say, oh, it was wonderful, we met aliens, and da-da-da. And that will be your disclosure. Watch. <laughs> you know? Does that answer your question? All right. Well, we lost him. I'm sorry. I forgot. He hung up. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say anything. Like Aurora, you just said something. Jeez. Okay. Jeez. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, I used to read all of this stuff and um, get wrapped up in it. Um, my father read a lot of Nazi stuff and um, Hitler's, you know, book and stuff like that. Um, the thing that always has fascinated me is... Was, how did they keep the technology suppressed? Yes, Area 51, super secret, blah, blah. But the, the technology that the black government has is, I, I see it as at least 40 years beyond what we know now. And it still astounds me that they are able to keep it under wraps so tightly. 
Um, <clears throat> well, maybe let me tell you, Aurora, when you when you talk about fifty years in advance, there's something else you got to consider, and that is is that, uh, and this is coming from these guys themselves. You know, when I was when I was dealing with the Getty people. Uh, you know, who I identified as Templars, i.e. Nazis, Western half of the United States. It's like the Nazi side of the United States. But they basically said they were manipulating time. And, you know, time was like a rubber yardstick, and they were stretching this thing out. Instead of the yardstick getting shorter, they were stretching the yardstick, okay? Still had the same amount of increments, only it was getting stretched out. So time is the same way. So in other words, if you look at the increase in technology that happened in the last 50, 60 years, it seems like it's incredible it's not because it's it's that's because of a lot of reasons. One, yeah, we're getting a lot of information technology dumped on us more than we can handle, but also they're squeezing our man hours, they're manipulating time by stretching out the yardstick of time. What they're doing is they're actually shortening our lives, they're making us work harder, faster, and squeezing more humans into a shorter period of time. That's astounding. Yeah. That puts a lot of things in perspective then because all of their timelines that they had so far out, um, they haven't reached some of them and some of them they've gone beyond. And if it's like that and kind of a maybe a back and forth issue with manipulating and uh, changing things, that makes, well, that makes a lot I, of sense. It's a... Uh it's a couple things going on, you know, and, and again, this was alien technology that was given to the United States, and, and the reason, you know, that was given to us by the gray guys or whoever it was we made the, the treaty with at Roswell, but they were using this technology to change the time for two reasons, what I was told. One was to give us, to buy us period to st- a time period to stall from our inevitable uh, meeting with the bad guys, at least what we were being told were the bad guys. I don't, I think the bad guys are indeed the Palladians and they're the guys coming here to rescue us and it was the bad guys telling us to build weapons to fight off the good guys. Okay, that's my belief. But, so by, basically we had to catch up, we had to, we had like 50 years to get 300 years of technology crammed in. So this whole time manipulation was, was trying to do that. And bear in mind, it wasn't all at once. They didn't just boop, you know, put us ahead 50 years but they they did it slowly incrementally and so we're at the end of the yardstick they can't take any more that's that's what's happening and it really is the frog in the pot then right but the other issue is supposedly is that they were messing with the dimension that we're in see because because if you look at everything you know and this is a, a technical term but it's important to understand because it applies to a lot of a lot of very important uh concepts and that is the concept of the position of a phase, which are the position of a, a sine wave. Okay, and when you take a sine wave and it starts at zero and it goes to one, you know, it goes does a little loopy thing and it goes from zero to one, right? Uh, if you take that thing and you move it away from that zero, either before the zero or after the zero, you know, incrementally ahead or incrementally past, you're changing the phase of that information. And this is the same concept as time travel, and this is applied by the beam ships, and this is applied by phase shifters, and this is applied by uh, by all these things. Is that if you if you change that phase, you change the time, you change the dimension, supposedly of that uh, of that information. So, so, so if that's we see, that, well, if that's you what time a, travel is. Yeah, if you ahead. see a UFO and it's in the sky, and then it's not. 
they didn't necessarily have to go to another dimension. It could have just been pulled into another time frame. Well, they can very, you know, of course they have the cloaking technology to uh, to project whatever's behind them on their surface. I mean, we do that now with blankets, you know, right? You've seen that stuff, right? This yes. Uh, cloaking technology. Yeah, we have cloaking technology now. Certainly they do. Uh, but but it, you typically, uh, you know, this is the thing. It's hard to say. It's all speculative. But you gotta you got to assume that if you can imagine it, it's real. And, that, and technically, that's the way the universe works, you know, because that, that really that is how the universe works. If you can imagine it, it's real. It's real somewhere because, I mean, the, just the thought, just the action of your thought makes it real in a dimension, per, you know, one dimension or another. So very important to consider. But, again, the point I was trying to make was that one of the reasons why they were allegedly screwing with the Earth's uh, uh, phase was to protect us from some some bad guy race that was in a different dimension, just slightly off, that were getting closer to entering our dimension, and we were shifting ours over slightly to get further away from them. You know, that was the you know that's what they say. And I've heard that that had something to do with the polar issues that uh, uh, in order to do this, you're actually having to screw with the rotation of the Earth and stuff like that, and, and uh, you know the poles. So. Crazy stuff. That's that's your harp at work and, and things like right. that. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, Sherry Edwards was on, I think, Major Tom and Keith Arizona show last week. Um, she, or maybe it was earlier this week, she said that um, the thing that changes or is harmful to human beings is not the frequency, but when the frequency pulses. So that makes sense with, uh, to me, about having the, having to mess with the North and South Pole to get it right for the time. Well, thing. you know, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's hard to say. I mean, you know, if you really want to you try to get into the mechanics of the whole thing, uh, you know, if you're, you're talking about the idea of using these, um, plasmas as a portal, basically, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yes, and the the plasma layer. Um, I don't I don't understand that where they access it at the points. Well, see, that's the thing. That. I think like I, I don't think it's stuff. yeah yeah. I don't uh, <laughs> I don't think that's really the way it works. But um, I suspect. See, this is the thing. If uh, there's a couple things that I believe in order to use a portal, a wormhole per se. Uh, if that's what people insist on believing wormhole, but if you want to basically phase from one place to another uh, using this uh, this this concept, you have to achieve the speed of light first. You have to mechanically get your whole vehicle up to the speed of light. Next thing you have to do is you have to be able to analyze everything on the structure the, from the entire vehicle down to the humans and every detail of the human, and convert it into a a sine wave. And you have to be able to uh, convert the entire mass into energy and then reconstruct it via the information of the sine wave uh, a moment later at, in another location based on the portal. So it's not really a portal per se. What it really is, I mean, and this is just my theory, is a location. Okay. So, so 914, hang on. Be with you in just a second. When you're a, uh, a, lo a location point for. 
exit or entry? Because William Stillings had well, it doesn't matter. It, up it could be both. See, this is again, this is my theory. Now, Nassim Harriman said the same thing recently in one of his lectures. He was saying that the sun was being used as a, a stargate per se. Yes, that's what and I now. What I believed, I came to the conclusion a little while ago that the scalar energy was being emitted and transmitted through these things just like portholes. Okay, so, again, you know, I may, I may be ahead of everybody else on this thing, all right? You know, the seam, I think these, I think they're all close, but I think they're not, they're not getting it right. See, the whole thing about space travel, and I'm not just talking about uh, location and geographical location in space in the universe, but I also, I'm also talking about time. All of this is going to pertain to stars and locations of stars because we know that at any given point of time that a star will be at a, a location, right? So based on that information right there, you have everything you need to navigate through space and time. Okay? All you need to know is the, is the location of the stars at any given time. And then you have all the information you need to navigate through space and time. So you're not actually physically traveling through the star, per okay. se. Okay. So what that's you, like the Stargate dial. Yeah. It okay. pings this, off at this see, location. All right. The Stargate stuff, it makes everybody's thinking in terms of a door. It's not a door. Okay. Right. It's just a dot on a map is all it is. Okay. You're using the, it's a known dot on a map is what it is. It's a given, given dot on a map. We know that at any given point in time in the universe, a given star in the universe is going to be at one particular location because we have uh, uh, ability to know this because we're omnipotent. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, if you have that information, like I said, once you achieve light speed, you know, you go warp, whatever you want to use movie terms. Once you achieve light speed, which we know from E equals MC squared is necessary in order to do this, is that you have to remove all your mass, okay? But you have to remove all your mass at the same time you've achieved light speed. And you got to do it before, you know, you can't go past light speed and, and not do this or you're going to have issues. This is, this explorers, space explorers do this. They, they, they discover this the hard way. But the idea is that when you achieve light speed and you convert your mass into energy, and remember, you're, you're encased in a magnetic field. All these UFOs, all these things are encased in magnetic fields. We know that. We've, we've just talked about the Earth being encased in a magnetic field. Uh, our bodies are encased. Everything's encased in magnetic fields. Well, that's what they do with these spacecraft. They encase them in these magnetic fields, which allows them to do all these wonderful things. And, you know, like the, uh, if you see this documentary of the Russians talking about the Germans, they say, oh, yes, the magnetic fields of these craft allowed them to navigate space and time. Well, you know, in a way they're kind of correct, but let's just say that the, that the gravitational field was necessary because when you create a plasma, and that's essentially what we're doing with, when we take the, uh, remember how I said the magnetic field contains the plasma, the plasma contains the information, and the information is like a, a portal, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same thing. So we are our own portals per se. Okay. So what so they do? It's encased in the magnetic field. We are. We're already the energy. Okay? okay. All we have to do is we have to create our turn our mass into energy. You know when you see these orbs floating around? Well, that's what that is. Okay. Those are entities in the energetic form. Okay. And remember, when an entity is in an energetic form, there's no time and there's no space. Okay. It can be anywhere practically. It could be anywhere at any given time. 
that's uh, that's important to understand. So, but anyway, so that's what happens with the uh, spaceship. The spaceship basically turns into an orb for a moment, and at that point, it's not really going to matter how close it gets to the sun, you know. And remember, it's traveling at light speed at this point, so all it's got to do is get kind of close to the thing. I mean, it doesn't have to actually use the sun. It just has to use the sun's basic coordinates, aim for it, get close, because what you're going to be doing is you're going to be setting it for a different sun in a different coordinate in a different time, and you're going to be slowing down from light speed and converting from energy back into mass at this new location. And that's how it's done. And it only takes 40 minutes to get up to light speed, so it takes uh, tells you it only takes, what, uh, 80 minutes to travel anywhere in the universe. That's Pretty heavy. much. Yeah, that's why these spaceships don't have to be that big. You don't have to have a big potty and a sleeping chambers and a kitchen because it only takes them 40 minutes to get here and there. You know, actually, I'm sorry, 80 minutes. Probably it might take a little bit. But let's, we'll, we'll give them a little bit of time to mess around, drive around here and there and sightsee, but we'll assume that the heavy driving only takes 80 minutes. So That's amazing. Okay, 914, how are you doing? Uh, do we talk yet? Very good. How you doing, Steve? Good. What's going on? Okay, great show. And I actually love when you have no guests. I can listen to you talk for hours. Man. <laughs> so much right. I really enjoy. That's okay. why I like it. For a couple of quick questions. Um, I, I always wondered. They they always said uh, Hitler had all this UFO technology. If that was the case, how come uh, he never used it in the war? And like they say. Germany was, but the Nazis tell you, tell you moved why. on. I'll tell you why. Right. It's okay. a good question. I'll tell you. That's okay. a good question. He's good answer. I got a good answer for you. You're gonna like this. Okay. Well, first of all, uh, what did I say? They weren't. You know, they didn't. Okay, we didn't get to talking about the different uh, types of these things that they made. They got the real. I mean, they made their first test test in 22. And they made their first, it wasn't 1939 before they tested the first test on the first disc. You know, they actually flew a disc. But it wasn't 1942 that they actually fielded a disc. And then all it could do is really look around and kind of scout, you know. And the real reason why these things weren't really good for weapons, and remember, they only built a few of them. They weren't able, you know, because it was still constantly being tested. Uh, guns and uh, missiles and, and electronic devices and things like this could not operate in the magnetic field that was encasing the device. Okay, so in other words, we know that these things were using a magnetic field to basically uh, control the flow of the ions that allowed them to float around and fly back and forth. And inside of that type of a uh, environment, a conventional weapon that relies on some electronic thing or a mechanical chemical process you know like a gun or a rocket isn't going to work you know it's because it's either going to blow up you know or not work properly or or just or you know misfire something like this and so obviously the only thing that works in a situation like that is a light weapon you know because we know that light is impervious to the magnetic field and it can pass through it so it wasn't until they created uh, laser weapons that they were able to use these platforms uh, good for weapons so, so by that time and like i said it was 19 uh what was it 1942 when they when they realized 
that they had, you know, I mean, it was another three years before the war was over, but even by 1942, they knew they had to move that stuff away. You know, they knew it was the future, and they, you know, so you could pretty much say they, that's when they gave up. Because if they knew they were going to win, they wouldn't have moved that stuff away, right? So, anyway, hope that answers your question. Uh, okay, Jenny, if you know the question. Okay, they, they, they always talk about it, but was into the occult and, and had alien technology. Did you ever hear of anything to do with Hitler and reptilians? You know, that's a good question. Personally, I don't uh, at all. I know he was, I heard about him dealing with uh, uh, the little gray guys, and I know that he was working very closely with uh, uh, Tibetan monks and the Tibetan Book of the Dead and, and channeling. And I suspect when he was channeling, he was, I don't think he was dealing with uh, reptoids. But, you know, this is the thing about reptoids is that for a lot of ways, in a lot of ways they look like humans. And for that matter, they can look like anything they want. I mean, you know that, right? They can look like us. Okay, so so it's it's hard. People ask me, have you dealt with aliens? I'm thinking, uh, how would I even know? You know, I know I've met a, ran, dealt with a few people that were a little kind of weird, and you kind of wonder, you know, but uh, that that's the thing. They can look like whatever they want. Uh, okay, one last question, if you don't mind. Did you ever hear of Andrew Bichago? Uh, I think I'm saying Andrew, that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how do you feel about his claims to jump room? We went to Mars, and actually even said Obama was uh, someone he met in the program going to Mars. Have you heard yeah. about that? All right. What well, okay. I I have to be honest with you. I I do my best to not uh, um, say anything negative about any of my fellow whatever you want to call them people out there. Uh, but at the same time. It's really hard for me. If you were to ask me who I thought was the best one or had the most respect for, I would probably could only pick a dead one, to be honest with you. Uh, so I'm not going to go into the little nitty gritty about how I feel about him. But but uh, from my own you know feeling, I believe the jump rooms do exist. Uh, whether or not he did this or not, uh, I'm inclined to believe that he did. Uh, the whole issue with Obama and all that, I'm inclined to believe that Obama did. But Andrew also feels that Obama and Obama's mama were good people, and that's definitely a big red flag for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, uh, I can't believe all the information that's on the web about Obama, like Larry Sinclair. I don't want to get into this, but you've heard of Larry Sinclair, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, okay. Well, uh, I mean... But with respect to uh, Basagio and Obama and that whole jump room business, I think I think if we stick with that, that's that kind of close to what we're talking about now. But I mean, all right. For instance, you know the the Nazi bases and what have you. Okay, and you talk about the jump rooms and all that. Okay, we are talking about the same thing. Okay, when we were talking about the NSA and all that, we know at least half of that, all of that stuff is Nazi. We know at least half of all of that stuff is the same people that have these underground bases. And what have you? So, uh, so I, from what I understand, they they do have a base on Mars. They probably also have underground bases on Mars. They also have them on on the Moon. And and when I when I say underground bases, it could be uh, could be on the inside also, not just not just in on the interior. So it's really hard to say. And I'll tell you the other thing is that these Palladians are supposedly coming here and having the big fight right now with with these uh, uh, Illuminati types. Uh, you know, allegedly they've already destroyed the base that was on Mars. 
you know. So uh, now, whether or not that device, you know, it could be that they've been destroyed. I don't know. We talk about their craft being destroyed. Who knows? But I've, I think that there's a good possibility that the uh, Mars base has been pretty screwed up because of uh, action. And so, yeah, disclosure is coming for sure. I definitely think disclosure is coming. Uh, whether or not people pay any attention, I don't know. I think they're still going to go to work and buy insurance and, and act like nothing's changed, you know. Right. Okay. One last question, if if you don't mind. Remember a couple of years ago, they they claimed that they were mining for water on the moon, and therefore they they blew something up, or there was a slight explosion. That didn't really get a lot of media play. What's your take on what they were doing? Uh. Well. Okay. The purpose of the water experiment and the explosion was so that they could drive dust. They could make a crater and blow a ton of junk up into the atmosphere and then do a spectral analysis of it and see how much water was in the in the cloud okay that was the uh, uh, official reason for it and and that is a logical reason but you're I think you're correct in assuming that there's some ulterior motives because there's always ulterior motives and there's always, always. multiple there are always yeah. multiple agendas they don't do anything unless they're doing three things at once trust me right. 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 Yeah. Right. Uh, one last thing: that the Mona Lisa alien on the moon. Have you seen those videos? Mona Lisa alien? No, I have. I, I probably have. Do me a favor, Sean. Can you add Keith Arizona to the call? Uh, yeah, that's like a rock structure. Question. No, um, they found a long. In the crater of the moon, and oh, right, right. a bunch yeah. of videos on it, and they found two aliens. They took the one full body back, and they cut off the head of the other. And uh, it looks like a, a female, looks Asian a little. Do you remember seeing those videos? Oh. Well, let me let me just say that the uh, there's a good reason why they don't point the space telescope at the moon. I think there would a lot of stuff would be very obvious. And yes, I think they do have a lot of things built in the craters. And I suspect that just like the Earth being hollow, I suspect that the moon may be hollow. But there's all sorts of other crazy things. The moon may be completely alien to our solar system. It could have actually been brought here and stuck in in close vicinity to our planet. There's all sorts of crazy possibilities of uh, what the moon is. It could be. It's actually way more ancient than the Earth. So, and I know that uh, when they do these explosions, or they the thing it kind of pings, it rings like it's hollow. Right, I've heard that too. It's like the more, the more you, you you know, the more you don't know. There's just so much to this stuff. All right, great show, like always, Steve. Have a great. All right. Okay. All right. Well, anybody else wants to join us? Uh, again, three four seven six eight eight two nine zero two. We're down to oh, we're only down to eight minutes anyway. All right. Well, let me look and see if there's anything that's really important here that I want to get out real quick. Uh, things to look up, of course, Thule, T-H-U-L-E, Vril, V-R-I-L. Keith is still trying to join us. Uh, Hanabu, that's another one, H-A-U-N-E-B-U. Those, that's another very important, uh, Nazi UFO. And, uh, again, I'm going to be posting photos on this. Uh, Nassim Harriman, look into his work. Hi, Keith, you with us? Yes, I am. Uh, how you doing? Only got a couple of minutes. Go for it. I know. I'll be really quick. I just wanted to tell you this is a fantastic show. I've been really enjoying it. Uh, these are the kind of discussions and ideas. I just love uh, 
talking about and, you know, examining the evidence. And I wanted to tell you, if you're interested in coming on Ground Control, uh, we've got JP with us, who's a fellow host on the station. Mm-hmm. And I think he would be agreeable if you want to continue. <laughs> well, that's up to you guys. I certainly don't mind. I mean, uh, at this point, I think I covered the material pretty good, so it's pretty much if you want to go into question mode, that'll work a little bit better. But I, I hope you guys, uh, listeners included, in, enjoyed the information. And, I, you know, it's almost like uh, it's just so intense and deep, you know, and you can only present so much without uh, getting kind of bogged down in it all. I don't know. What do you think? Well, there's a lot, and there's certainly a lot of layers to the onion, <laughs> and uh, it can get a little overwhelming sometimes, but, you know, you take it one step at a time, and I thought you presented it extraordinarily well. Yeah, well, as long as you keep an open mind, you know, assume everything is fact, and you just kind of file it away and then use it as a uh, kind of a reference when other things happen, it, it sort of helps. So I think the biggest uh, positive about it is it goes against what the official uh, establishment line is. Mm, well, for sure. Uh, it, it, it certainly goes against the propaganda in every respect, and, and certainly this is information that they don't want people to be aware of, I mean, on many different levels, huh? There's definitely something happening. There are underground cities, uh, whether it is uh, the shape you described, uh, you know, certainly go back to journey to the center of the earth. You know, I don't know. I'm certain there are underground cities, though. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. Oh, well, underground cities, there's certainly underground cities. I mean, we know that, the Getty, et cetera. But then when you con- the whole concept of going down 200 miles and getting into a whole other world with a constant, I mean, remember, we're talking constant daylight, constant temperature. Can you imagine? It's, that's cer- that's got to be utopia, right? Never, no weather changes, right? My gosh. It reminds me, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no jets. I mean, think about it. There's no jets flying around in a, in a uh, inner world like that. You're certainly not flying jets. Or you, you can't fly from point A to point B uh, if you have a central sun, right? <laughs> Makes sense, huh? I'll bet there'd be a lot of surface travel. Yeah, and uh, but they're, they're, you could fly around it. Well, I suppose, but I'm I'm guessing that they probably don't get too up off of the surface in there, you know, because they probably don't need to. Yeah, they probably don't need to. They probably can just zip around. Who knows what they've got? But uh, anyway, I'm going to post a bunch of maps and stuff on my Facebook page, and uh, certainly if you want to go to my Facebook page and look at my maps for inner inner Earth, just go to my albums and look for inner Earth on the albums, and uh, that's got a lot of stuff. And I'm going to again post that on the video for this uh, this this. <laughs> broadcast, but uh, now we're down to a couple minutes. One minute remaining. Okay, listen. I want to thank you guys that called in. I want to thank all the listeners. I hope you guys enjoy this. Remember, it was inspired. I did this only because I think everybody needs to hear this information in light of the things that are going on in Ukraine and what have you. So uh, the lesson here is to be an observer, taking all the information and have an open mind. Good night, guys. Join us again next week. Adios.